0: Amen. So, as you know, as we uh, get into the Word this morning, we're in Matthew's Gospel today, and I'll I'll give you the text in a moment. And um, there's a lot going on, right? We've said this before. I've said it before. There is so much going on. It just feels like whether it's locally, whether it's in our state, whether it's, you know, uh, nationally, whether and look at globally, like just everything that's going on, there's so much happening, and you can't even wrap your mind around half of the stuff that's going on right and just the geo geogra- the, you think about the geopolitical and the the political unrest not just locally but across and the world and all the instability that we see right and and actually if we're honest and if we're truthful and even as believers if we can never actually right now i mean if we're truly honest because of everything involved in in, in, in humanity and, and across the globe and all these governments and everything there is nothing stable about any government right now it's not because it all hinges on so many other things that are in and of themselves by principle unstable right godlessness wickedness determining what truth is based on our interpretation and definition of what truth is making up and, and creating false financial systems or new ones and whatever you keep going on and on it's unstable right and it goes hand in hand that instability geopolitically just politically even our own our nation and around the world goes hand in hand with social unrest where the hearts of men are getting a little more I- inward now and, and personal it, it, it's there's instability because the foundation has been rocked and there's shaking going on and there's things that are moving and no one knows nothing's settled and everything is just chaotic and your head is spinning and you want to scream I'm not here to be overdramatic, I'm just, sometimes I feel that way, right? I'm sure you do too, and you just can't wrap your mind around it, as I mentioned. And they go hand in hand, and morality, and, and, and just the way people are treating each other, and it's the love of self that exalts itself, if you will and hurts everyone else around and ultimately you and we hurt ourselves that way too and it's we seeing it it's prophetic it's what what paul wrote to timothy they'll be men will be lovers of themselves right and they would just they would be so full of themselves and look at even even the natural world if i could put it this way is so uneasy isn't it right you just can't tell what's going to happen with the weather. You, uh, the earthquakes that are happening, the volcanic, the seismic activity that's going on, the weather changes, and just uh, creation is groaning, and we don't know what to do about it, and, and, and creation as a nature doesn't know what to do about it. Weird storms, weird weather patterns, and everything is just turning upside down on its head, if you will, if we're honest about it. It's just all over the place. Mind-boggling. Things we thought we might have never seen, we're seeing, Right? technology oh boy anybody heard of ai i mean i don't know much about it and i guess i'm avoiding it maybe that's bad i don't, I don't know i'm not like really informed i'm not a tech person i get. you know most of you know that but boy it's it's scary i mean really you know why it's scary because of everything i've mentioned before this because of all the instability, stability, geopolitically, politically, nationally, locally. And then the, the social unrest and the unrest and the uneasiness we have in our own hearts and the sin, the immorality, the, just the, the selfishness, the pride. And that's scary when you link that to AI. Am I making sense? Yeah. It's scary. You should be nervous. You should be scared. I'm not trying to scare you. We, we have Jesus. We're going to be okay. But in the natural, right, it's scary what that can lead to. You've, I'm sure, read about it and, and thought about it. What about the scientific advancements that are, we'll call them advancements, that are happening, right? And, and this increase in knowledge that's going on. And we're creating new realities through science in many ways, if you will, right? I mean, and we're creating, we're, we're choosing and designer babies. You know, what, what kind of baby you want to have? Is it going to have blonde hair? Is it going to be male, female? Is it to, we're, we're, what has happened? That's... that's all. That's just part of a lot that is going on. I could go on, and I don't want to depress you, because that's not my point. But there's a lot going on. And you know what they all do? You know what all this does? I've just not even scratched the surface. You could think of other things in your world and around all of us, But it all points to Jesus coming back. It all points to Jesus coming back. It's soon. Don't, Don't be fooled. It is very, very soon. And so here's the thing. So the question is, so so When? When is Jesus coming back? I mean, people have asked that. I remember a few years ago when we we had that that thing going around the world and and everything got upended and people were wondering, when is Jesus coming? Cuz we could see things and it was bizarre and crazy and wild and scary and people were filled with fear and some still are, unfortunately. But we were wondering, when is Jesus coming back? You might answer it if you're a Christian. I'm sure you're sitting here and you're thinking, and some of you are probably like, well, I know the Bible, I know God. We don't know. You're right. You don't know exactly. He's coming back, but we don't know exactly. You cannot pinpoint that. And so you would be correct in saying that. We don't know, and you'd be right. But listen, I want to just point out a couple of things to be really clear, and it's not an exhaustive thing, but just quickly. There's there are two returns of Christ that we have to keep in mind in scriptures the first one is called the rapture right when jesus is going to come and 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 some of you are very familiar with this and you know and you've read about it but specific things and events will be lining up in our world and with different people in the right place and 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 it is all in god's economy all his timing all part of his plan right they'll all line up and converge it'll all come together and then First Thessalonians, Paul writes in chapter 4, he tells us about it and we say about that glorious day. There's going to be that day, that there's going to be that call when Christ calls out the archangel and that trumpet blows. And we're going to hear this call. And I happen to believe personally that we're going to hear it physically. Maybe not. That's just what I think. But if not, you will absolutely hear it in your spirit as a child of God. You're going to know that call. And in that instant, when you hear that call, it's going to be something. I don't know what it's going to be like. But then Paul says that those who died before us who are believers, who belong to Christ, they'll be lifted out of the grave and they'll go up in the sky. And as they're going up to meet Jesus... There's you and me and those who are still alive, right? We're still alive. This is bizarre. We saw a commercial the other day, and Cohen's like, Is that really God? What's going to be? I'm like, Yeah. And the rapture is going to happen, and you're gonna be, there's going to be all kinds of activities all of a sudden, poof, and a swing, and a blink of, the blink of an eye. We're gone. We're going to be caught up with those before us, and then we're going to meet the Lord, Paul says, in the sky, in the clouds, beyond the clouds, in the air, we'll meet him, Paul says. Oh, man, I don't know where that central meeting place is going to be, but it's going to be in the air. It's going to be up there somewhere. We're going to meet Jesus in the clouds. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. And we'll never be separated from our Lord Jesus Christ, those who are his. Ever. At that point. Ever. And we're already given that assurance now. That nothing, Paul says in Romans, even while we're here waiting for that secured and eternally sealed thing, if you will. Physically, spiritually, every other way where we are with Jesus forever. We already have the assurance that Paul says nothing can separate us from Christ's love. Amen. Nothing. Not one thing. And Paul means it when he says nothing. He isn't just making it up. Nothing separates us from Christ's love even while we let. And then, of course, after the rapture, we're going to be with, with Jesus. There's going to be a tribulation it's going to be a period of tribulation for 7 years and it's going to be brutal and difficult on the earth right and i'm not going to get into the theological debates and arguments about when and how long and all, but that's that's not the point this morning there will be tribulation okay there's going to be a period of tribulation. And then after that tribulation comes to a close, Jesus is going to come down. We're going to come down with Jesus. Those are his. He's going to come down with his armies and he's going to set up shop on this earth physically for a thousand years and that's called the millennial reign. That's the second return of Christ on this earth. He's going to come back and physically rule for a thousand years. You know what it's going to be like? I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to minimize or cheapen how I say this, but it's going to be basically sort of like heaven on earth. Sort of. Right? It's amazing. And for a thousand years, and then after that, we'll be with him forever in glory, right? And he's going to take care of Satan, and he's going to take care of everything that ever rose up against him, forever done. All right? Amen. So that, that, I just want to point that out so we understand. But the focus, really, if you're a believer, is the rapture. You've got to be Ready? You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to go. You've got to be prepared, right? And the disciples ask in Matthew chapter 24, as I told you to turn in Matthew. Matthew 24 and 25 are our two chapters we're looking at today. And in Matthew 24, verse 3, the disciples say this to Jesus. And he tells them that the temple is going to be destroyed and it's, there's going to be destruction. Nothing's going to be left, right? And Jesus says, or the, the, the disciples ask, tell us. When will these things be? When? We want to know when it's going to happen. And what is going to be the sign of your coming, they ask, and of the end of the age? Tell us, when is this all going to happen? And Jesus answers, and he lists events in chapter 24. You could just leave your, your Bible open there. I'm going to run through there, and, and you can, I'll reference those things, and you can see them. And Jesus answers, and this is what he says. Look at verse 5. He says that people will come declaring that they are the Christ. Let me let me let me just say it a little bit differently, because we use the expression sometimes, like, you know, where, where, where people are like, do you think you're the Messiah? Or he thinks he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, he's gonna come and take care of everything, whether it's a political figure, whether it's some esteemed scientist or some kind of whatever. But these individuals and they come on the scene and they promise that listen, the I am the answer. I will stabilize everything. I will bring peace. Let me go further. I will bring and make solutions and create solutions for all your problems and the entire world. Jesus says, when you hear that, ding, 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 ding. Watch out. I can bring peace. I have the solutions. Don't be misled. Jesus says in verse 5, don't be misled. Don't no, be misled. Haven't there been individuals like that? And most of them have not reached a global level, but they've reached national or even local levels. I mean, cult leaders, even some political figures, even, unfortunately, the enemy of the Jews during World War II was I- I'm going to, to rectify the problem in the world by exterminating the problem. There have been different figures. It's horrific. It's horrible. And most of them are because they're not godly. They're they're godless. It's not part of God's plan. So when somebody comes and says, I am the Christ, watch out. They're not. There's only one. Amen? Secondly, in verses 6 and 7, he says, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Now listen, I don't have to tell you what's going on. I mean, unless you haven't come out of your house since three years ago and this is your first time out in public, right? And with no TV, no news, nothing. There are wars and rumors of wars and like never before right now, especially in the Middle East, there are wars and rumors of wars. Of wars there always have been but never like now we don't even hear about half the other conflicts and wars and battles that are going on all around the world you never hear about them they're on smaller scales but they're all over the place and it can be terrifying if we focus on that because of what happens with loss of life and destruction and it's it's evil it's horrible it's horrific in most cases it's it's terrible right so that's happening now. Then he says in verse 7 that there will be all kinds of natural calamities and phenomenon that are happening. I mentioned that earlier. That's happening now, right? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the changes that are going on and the anomalies, the so-called anomalies that are becoming almost normal now of, of events uh, that are happening in, in the natural world. And we see that all around us. Persecu- I mean, okay, I'll give you one. Just jokingly, but at the same time. Who in the world ever thought we would have had like 25 out of 28 Saturdays with rain in Rhode Island or weekends with rain? I I mean, I know God could do anything. I'm sure it's happened. But it's stuff like that. That seems so trivial and small, but that's just a little scratch to other things that are happening um, around the world uh, with with weather and in the natural world. And so he says this will be happening. Persecution of believers in verse 9 will be happening. Do you know that there's... So much persecution of followers of Jesus happening right now. Do you ever hear about it? Do you ever hear about it? You do. If if you're looking and you're listening, you hear about it. But they are happening in places that you, you don't hear about in different nations far away, and even some of it is happening here in different ways, but there is persecution, and there is certainly oppression, but there is a lot of persecution, and more will come. That's a guarantee that Jesus makes. You excited about that? Do you know what? When there was persecution in the book of Acts, that's when the church thrived. When there wasn't any, they got slack. They got slack. And they got weak. And there was no power evident in their ministry, in their life, and all that they did. It was weak. And the church grew under persecution. And that's where the church is growing, in those places of high persecution right now. Even when they go underground, they're hiding out and meeting secretly. It's, they're exploding. The church of Christ is exploding in those places, where there's persecution. It's unbelievable, but it's happening. And the persecution comes in socially, psychologically, financially, relationally, all kinds of different ways. It's coming, and it's going to happen. In verse 10, Jesus says, here's another thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a falling away and hatred of people towards one another is going to be just on the rise, through the roof. We're going to hate each other. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not here to give a commentary or anything like that and, or an op-ed kind of thing on what's going on in our world. But again, I will simply say, I don't have to say much. When you see what's happening in our world, just this past week, not far from here, Or whether it's in the Middle East. Or whether it's in Grand Central Station. Or whether it's in, I can keep going, the hatred that is around is intense and it's real. Jesus is coming soon. He wasn't kidding when he said that. And then in verse 14, he says this. He says, the gospel will reach the whole earth. The gospel is going to be preached all over the world. Everyone is going to have a chance to hear. It's going to be spread out, expanded, told, shared all over the earth in verse 14. Now, I I did not get to see it. I was hoping to, but I missed it. And it's happened a few times, I guess. But some of you I know saw, I don't know if it was earlier this year or last year, when, you know, that billionaire Musk, he sent off all those Starlink satellites and it was like these lines in the sky. And I, I, I saw images and it looked creepy, Right? Launching all these Starlink sets. You know why? Because he's wanting to get access along with other companies and, and, and people that want to connect the world to the internet and to this kind of communication and access to information. And like never before, people are connected if they want to be. Oh, well, there are still places, but they're doing their best to get this out and make it happen, to connect everywhere with everyone, which is part of the final plan that God is allowing to happen as well. It's amazing. The world is connected like never before in human history. You can't deny it. The gospel will reach the whole world. And then Jesus says, when that happens, the end will come. Now, the end hasn't come yet, so that means we've got work to do, doesn't it? Right? It's, I mean, it's, it's not on me. Oh, my goodness, it's on Bob. Oh, my goodness, it's on Jessica. Oh, it's on you. It's on us to, to be faithful to our duty because God works through all of us and he has a plan and his timing, but we must be busy because when the gospel reaches the whole earth, the end comes. I don't know exactly how it's going to look, but it's going to happen. And then in verses 33 to 34, in chapter 24, if you have your Bible open, Jesus addresses, now he addresses the when question. These are things that will be happening. They're clues, they're signs. And then he says when it's going to happen. Here's what he says. I'll paraphrase his words. No one knows. And it will be unexpected. I don't even know. Only God the Father knows. And he means what he says. We don't know. Be ready. Be prepared. Be watchful. Be on the lookout. Don't slack, don't get tired, don't get weary. Be vigilant with what's happening around you because I'm coming back. I don't even know, but when the Father says go, I'm coming back. And so, there are at least, there are at least for now, two directives that are implied here for us that we should take to heart. And the first one is this. Take this to heart, number one. Don't be determined to spend all your energies and resources to find out exactly when Jesus is coming back. How could you say that? Because I think Jesus says that. I really do, with what, with, what, with what He's given us to do and with what His plan is. History teaches us, don't you know that history teaches us? That there have been so many people that have come along, men, women, organizations, whatever, that they claimed to know exactly when jesus will come back and i think they've been wrong and it's great because when they've been wrong they come back and then they got everybody duped and they put like well get my other book and he's coming in six years and 14 days that's happened too and they've been wrong and we're still waiting right i've heard that in fact i've even heard that not just in books but in my own growing up i even heard that through people who who would who would make these prophecies or say things and they would be very specific they were wrong about when jesus would come back it wasn't on my birthday in 1998 or whatever date it is that they gave don't be determined people spend listen it's We ought to be determined, instead of finding out the exact date, we ought to be determined to tell others about Christ and to live out our faith in obedience to God's word. That's what we're called to do spend your energy your time your resources living for the lord and serving others the gospel of christ rather than spending hours in a book and looking up experts and there are experts they know things i don't know historically and culturally and contextually with within scripture grammatically and all this stuff i get all that and their head still spins and they don't even know still and they're trying to devise a way to find the exact day listen get your head out of that book and get your feet on the ground Get your hands working and, start, and open your mouth and start spreading the gospel and sharing Jesus Christ because he's coming and time's running out. So rather than be locked up trying to determine when he's coming, go and tell people it's coming and bring them to the Lord. Amen. Secondly, here's another directive. So don't be determined to spend all your energies and resources on finding out exactly when he's coming back. Secondly, don't be deceived by those who say they know. Now, unfortunately, there are people who... They will not spend the time and they don't put all their energy and resources into trying to find out the exact time and they're not determined to do that. But they get deceived because somebody is charismatic or influential or, or is, is just, has, can really pull people along with them. And they start following and they become deceived when people say that they know, but not even that they know, but they're the Messiah. Don't be deceived by that. Don't be deceived by that. I want to say... Just publicly, and I, 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 because this is truth, fact and truth. I want to say publicly that when you know, this is this is it's frustrating for me because nobody knows. But I remember hearing those prophecies, and some people still hold on to them. And they were saying, and I don't care about using names at this point. Who cares? When they said. Last election, Donald Trump. God showed he—he was he, he a prophecy. He's going to be the, hes going to be president again, no matter what. Is he president? Is he president? He's not. If you think that he's supposed to be, and in your mind he is, then you, man, you—I'm sorry, but he's not president. They were wrong. They were wrong. They were wrong about when Jesus has come, and they were wrong about who would be the Messiah, the Savior of the United States of America. They're wrong. So don't get deceived and, and, and buy into these things. And, and it's easy to get sucked into that because our emotions and our persuasions get, 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 get involved in all that and then we just get lured and enticed and then, listen, don't spend time being deceived and following these people who claim they're the Messiah and they can do all these things rather than do what Jesus had to do. Spend your time and energy doing that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36 and verse 42 in your Bible, no one knows the day or hour. I'm I'm repeating in in specific words now that Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour. Not just the time, not just an era, not just, well, sometime in 2024. No one knows the day or the hour. No one. So he says, keep watch and be prepared. It's right there in the Bible. You can look at it. Jesus' own words. Even Aubrey knows that Jesus doesn't know when, when he's going to be coming back until the Father tells him. Amen. Love it. So how do we prepare? Because we know that the answer to the when question is when God says so. We don't know. So then how do we prepare now? Now that we're here and we're living in southern Rhode Island and wherever you're doing, wherever your vocation is and God's got you working or whatever your family situation is, your financial situation, whatever it is, whatever school you're in, how do we prepare? What do we do in our lives individually? What do we do? At the end of chapter 24 and also all of chapter 25, we get our answer through parables and illustrations that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us And he tells us how to be ready for his return. How do we prepare ourselves? Chapter 24, verses 43 to 44, contains a mini parable, I'll call it. There's a mini parable there in your Bible, you'll see, in those two verses. Be ready, be alert, don't let your house be broken into by a thief. I'm making it really short and simple that's the parable you come when it's he comes when he's when you're least expected and this reiterates what what, most of what jesus teaches in chapter 24 and 25 that his return will be unexpected you think it's all good i got time i'm comfy i'm cozy i'm set and then boom the thief comes in and he steals and destroys be ready but be watchful be alert. Know what's happening. You don't just take it easy. Right? So that's the first thing. That, that's one way for us to prepare. Be ready. Be alert. Be watchful. Because don't, be a pro, don't get surprised like that thief that breaks in. Don't be surprised. And then, in verses 45 to 51, there's a parable about being faithful to take care of God's household while waiting for the return of the Master. Being faithful in serving that way. The unfaithful in this parable or the wicked servants spend the time that their master is away oppressing other people. That oppression comes in many different ways. And unfortunately, let's just be honest. Right? We don't have nothing to... We, we just got to say it the way it is. Unfortunately, that oppression happens with some believers towards others it's true competing about whose gifts are better or how you should serve or how you shouldn't serve or that's right or that's wrong we need to be faithful in taking care of god's household and serving him and making the most of what he's given us as much as we possibly can right and the, the wicked servant spends the time oppressing others elevating himself above other people partying Getting drunk, it says there, and not being aware that the master could come at any time. Why? Because you're carried away by your pride and your pleasure and all those principles that are opposed to God. Love and life, if you will. Ah, he'll come back one day. I'm going to live it up. I'm not going to take care of what I'm supposed to take care of. There is no reward, Jesus states in that parable, for such lack of preparation through faithful service to others and taking care of what is the master's. There's no reward. So be ready. Be faithful. Be faithful, right? Don't compromise. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Don't go to the left or to the right. Don't get distracted by other tasks outside of sowing seeds of the gospel. Stay on task. In chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. I'm sorry, that was chapter 24. Did I say that? Now we're in chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. We have the parable of the ten bridesmaids, and we've heard sermons on all these parables, I'm sure, but especially this one, I'm sure we've heard them. And there are all kinds of, well, several interpretations, and we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what's there, right? The bridesmaids are waiting for the wedding to begin upon the arrival of the groom, correct? That's what the Bible says. Five have prepared with extra oil for their lamps. Five have not. They're not ready. They don't have extra, right? Oh, they're, they're, they're thinking he's coming, but they're just taking it easy and they're not getting extra oil. They neglected to prepare and maybe they were more concerned about the party than they were about seeing or meeting the groom. I don't know. Oh, it's going to be great one day. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And then everything's happening and all of a sudden the oil's dwindling because you're waiting and, you're, and all you're thinking about is how awesome it's going to be. But in the meantime, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. That, that, can be, that, that happens to a lot of us, and we can get sidetracked by that. The joy, oh, glorious day, and then we're like, oh, and then we just feel so good, and then time goes by, and then but we need to stay full and replenished and full of, of, of that oil. Our lamps are, are burning and full of oil, amen, extra for that time. Look, it's like they hope, when you think about these foolish uh, bridesmaids, it's like they hope that just because they're associated with the wise bridesmaids, who prepared with extra oil that they can be brought into the wedding party. Eh, not gonna happen. Kind of points to the to the picture that. Listen, my friends, whether you're whether you're an adult or whether you're an eight-year-old, your parents can't guarantee your salvation because they have Jesus. You gotta have them. You gotta be full of the Spirit. Because if you're not. You won't be ready. I can't do that for Preston or Cohen. I can't do that for Sharon. Right? Wayne can't do that for Denise. We've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. Amen? All right? That's, the truth is, you have to come to your own faith. And, and, and God, God is so merciful and patient and He's kind and He wants you to if you haven't. And you've got to have God's Spirit in you by faith when you surrender to that Lordship of Jesus and it's His control, not yours, and everything goes into proper perspective and you can prepare the right way. Matthew seven twenty one to 23 echoes this truth and Jesus said this, when Jesus teaches about false believers, He says that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the will of the Father, part of doing the will of the Father is preparing and being busy about His work. And then there's the parable, I'm moving along, and then there's the parable of the three servants who were given money, right? Different amounts of money. And they were expected to invest this money and get a great return for their master. While, wow. excuse me, he was away. And we know the story couple of them were really good one of them was like you know what i don't know when he's coming back it's a long time i'm going to stay comfortable i'm a little lazy i don't know what to do so he buries it i'll at least give him back what's his anyway just that one but when the master comes back uh uh-uh not gonna happen he, can't, he won't tolerate that. It just, it's a picture, again, of us using what God has given us and making the most of it as we surrender to Him and as we serve Him and we use our gifts, our talents, abilities, everything He's entrusted us with that we would multiply that. And we sang a song the other week, I think it was two weeks ago or last week, how that we would win, win for the Lamb the rewards, right? That, that's right. That's what we're here for. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, not just sitting comfortably and saying, well, you saved me, here I am, I'm good. Jesus is like, you got a gift to share. Go share it. Amen? Amen. Preparation involves using what God has given you for His glory and to serve others, as I mentioned. Let me ask you, how are you using your talents? Your, Your skills, your abilities, your gifts, the gifts of the Spirit that God has given you how are you using that resource of time? How are you spending your time? Your abilities, as I mentioned. Uh, your, your finances that have been given to you. How are you using your finances? Everyone will give an account to God for how we use them. Just like those three who were given those to invest, they had to give an account. Right? We, if we, are, are we faithful to God's plan for their use? Or are we selfish and self-preserving? Because self-preservation, that's like, that is at, at our core. We all want to preserve ourselves. That's, that's like a natural thing. It's a fleshly thing. But self-preservation, listen, there is no return with that approach for the master. And finally, in verse 31, at the end of chapter 25, Jesus teaches about the parable of the goats and the sheep. This is the deal in this parable, all right? There will be a separation of those who prepared by being faithful and obeying and serving God and others and those who did not. Can't state it more simply. I can make it more simple. You're either in or you're not. (laughs) Can't get any more simpler. You're in or you're not. And when you're in, you're doing stuff for the master. When you're not, you're living for yourself and you know he's coming back, but you don't really care. Right? And I'll tell you, this separation into these two, it's a separation, really a picture of these two different eternities. One is the reward of heaven, the other, the rejection of God and the rejection by God to hell. Yep, I said hell. It's true. This is the result of how we live our lives preparing for Jesus' return. Which do you want? Which do you want? To sum it all up this morning and apply these teachings and to prepare, and, and to prepare for Jesus' return, this is what I suggest that we would do as, a, as just a summation. First, be a faithful servant. Know, trust, and obey your Creator and Master and your Lord Jesus. You've got to be a servant of Jesus. In other words, you've got to surrender your life to Christ. And it all starts by confessing you're a sinner and then letting Him be the master of your life. In all these illustrations and all these parables that we looked at or skimmed over, if I could put it that way, faithfulness is the key to being prepared. Being faithful means you're loyal to Jesus. Not self, not someone else, not an organization, not, a, not some preacher, but Jesus first and foremost. You trust Jesus and you'll do everything you possibly can to please and to honor him. That's what it means to be faithful. And second, practice Jesus' teachings. Kind of overlaps with being faithful and it's all connected, right? Live them out. You can't say, I'm a Christian, but live life however you want that's impossible it's a contradiction of what it means by definition to be a disciple and a follower of jesus christ when you do that your life is going to be and when if you do that if you are faithful to him and you you submit and do what he wants your life will be marked with gratitude and you will be secure and solid and stable unlike everything else that's going on around us in our world on every level and facet of this existence here physically You're not going to be cocky. You're not going to be condescending. But you're also not going to be wavering or compromising. And you'll be ready and excited about meeting Jesus one day. Third, live every day like he's coming back today. Do you live that way? Because he might. I don't know, but he might because we're... Everything's pointing that he can come back at any time and we should be prepared. So live every day like he's going to come back today. Now. Not tomorrow. Not in a week. Not in a year. Next, be normal. I know you might think, what are you talking about? (laughs) Be normal. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're a Christian, be dutiful. Live life responsibly while doing normal human activities. Besides sinning right? You got to eat. You're going to drink. You got to dress yourself. You got to buy clothes. You got to work. You got to pay your mortgage. You got to take care of your house. You got to raise your family. You got to do practical. Be normal, right? Don't, 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 don't build yourself a, don't be a doomsday prepper. That's not normal. I'm, I'm being serious. That's not normal. That's, not mean, you shouldn't prepare yourself, but people go over the top and some, that's, what are you saving yourself from? Jesus is coming, and if you're His, I'm gone, man. (laughs) Next, wait. Yeah, wait. Be patient and live with hope, because you have hope, and Jesus is our hope, and we have assurance. Always looking for the coming of Jesus. Listen, Jesus said something absolutely amazing, and before I close and we pray, I want to share with you, I had a conversation with my brother, my mother, a lot of you know, she had neck surgery, where she had six vertebrae fused, and she had a rod put in there, and major major surgery okay and so she's doing therapy and she's been having there's been some challenges with that but she went to a new therapist this past week and my brother was with her my brother shared something with me and i'm like this is this is exactly this fits perfectly with this point here that of how we need to to wait, be patient and look for jesus and and preparing for him to come back so my mom went and with this therapist are doing exercises and she has a walker because she's, she's still unstable and balanced. And so they're walking and, and the physical therapist says, why is your head down? Why is your head down? When your head is down with that walker and given, again, I'm not saying this is true for every situation, but in her situation. But why is, because of the nerves, the muscles and your neck, which which, by the way, controls the head. So this is why this applies, right? Your neck. It determines wh- what your head's going to be doing. Pick your head up. When your head is down this is my brother's words I, and I confirmed it this morning at about 7:30. I talked to him, because I heard him two days ago, and I wanted to make sure. He said that when your head is down, you have less balance and you're weaker. When your neck is straight and you keep your head up and you're looking forward, you're stronger. That's one thing. Powerful. Don't look down. The more you look down, the more depressed and fearful and frustrated and, and, and anxious and everything else you get. And then you're like, maybe he's not coming back. Maybe this will never get fixed. You know, like, I'm struggling. He's like, pick your head up. You'll be amazed. And the, the, immediately, the difference in her balance and strength. And, and if, you're, if you have to look at something that's lower down by your feet... Don't put your head down. Use your eyes to look down. I'm not making this stuff up. It applies to our spiritual posture and our preparation to return to Jesus. And here's another one. Here's another one. He did this thing and he showed her and he said, let me show you how this works. Let me give you a test and just prove this to you. And this again, in her situation, I'm not telling you this works for other surgeries or situations, but it works here. He had her take her thumb and her pinky and put them together and hold them as tight as she could and because of the way she's been in her posture and sitting and her head is down as she's holding this that therapist, he put his hands inside there and it was like no it, just, he just, it went through like it was air he says now pick your head up and put your shoulders up and she did and she's doing this and he couldn't get his fingers through her fingers that were in this loop like this That is what it's like, because Jesus said when we prepare for his return, don't keep your head down, don't look to the left or to the right and all stoop down and depressed and whatever. We have hope and we look up and we're strong, we have balance and we're strengthened and we're stable because we know where we're going and what the future holds for us as his people. Because he said so, that we would make it and then he's coming back for us. Don't be dismayed. Take to heart Jesus' words in Luke chapter 21 and verse 28. Now when these things begin, he said to his disciples to happen, he said, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Man, if you're looking down, (laughs) what do you look at? Where's the redemption? Because you're looking at yourself. You're looking at your circumstance. You look up and you look up to Jesus' faith everything changes. The fear dissipates. doesn't mean you don't have any of it, like, you know, but, but it dissipates. And you have more confidence and your hope is shored up. And again, I repeat Jesus' words and encourage you to be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when you least expect. Represent your Lord Jesus well treat others as christ would have you treat them this includes sharing that hope of that gospel that salvation that, that that comes through the gospel through faith in christ alone no one else that's the work and the task that we have so are you feeling a little overwhelmed discouraged whenever pick your head up keep your eyes on jesus keep your eye on the mission And you'll be amazed at how strengthened and how much balance spiritually you will find in your journey as we get closer and closer to home. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you are not silent about the events in this world and about your plan. Although we don't know the exact date of your return, we are given so many clues and the evidence is all around us how we thank you, how we're encouraged by that, Lord God. Father, we are not afraid, Lord Jesus, but we are, Lord Jesus, uh, fired up, I suppose, God, and even anticipating and, and ready and wanting to do your work, Lord, because we know the end is near and we know that soon we'll be caught up in the air with you. Lord, help us to be ready, to be faithful, to be serving faithfully, to be, Lord Jesus, doing only what you want us to do, Lord God. And help us, Lord Jesus, to remember that your words are not in vain, that you didn't just say what you said to say it, but you meant what you said, and you are coming back. And Father, we look forward to that day when you send that command to your son Jesus, and you tell the archangel to blow that trumpet. God, we're going to hear you, we're going to hear it, and we're going to meet you, God, and forever we'll rejoice and be with you for all eternity. God, we thank you and praise you for your great gift of salvation, which is the ultimate way when we receive you as Lord and Savior, God, to be prepared and ready for your return for eternity. Thank you so much for this word, God. Put it in our hearts deep, Lord God, and may your spirit remind us throughout the weekend. Help us to keep our heads high and help us to walk confidently, Lord, in the power of your spirit and not our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Be ready. We don't know when, but He's coming soon. Amen?